0: I think a good way too when I think through boldness and prudence is this a short game or a long game so like if it's if it's just third and ten I'm passing the ball right yeah, like because yeah. I, I I there's there's an urgency there that, that I have to move the that's ball wise, down the road that's wise, yeah and but uh, you know if it's first and ten I got I, a lot I'm, of options yeah I got a ton and so like if I'm Trying to minister to my coworkers, well, all of a sudden I can be much more prudent because I've got time I'm and, and my evangelization is going to be the long game mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to if I'm on the airplane and I'm sitting next to someone, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. well, I've got one hour and this is going to be fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like, the it, it's it being able to discern, like, what's the moment, what's the position, and what's the play I'm supposed to do in this moment will help with navigating how do I evangelize That's right now. Right right. right. <laughs>
1: and welcome to Beyond Damascus the show where encounter meets mission. My name's Brad Piron, this is Dan Dimite, Hello. and this is Aaron Richards. Good friends in the house. Here we go. Um start off with, a with high uh five. yes, with strong high fives. We start out our episodes with strong high fives. I hope you guys enjoy them as much as we do. But I'm excited for the content that we have today. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be a Christian in the world today and how to be on mission in the world today and all the things that come with that. But before we get there, we're going to start with prayer. So Aaron, can you Go ahead and lead us off.
2: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Jesus, we love you, and you are the reason that we can do what we do. Our theme here at Summer Camp this year is Source and Summit. Lord, you are our source. You are our summit. You're the, the what we're made for, and you are the way that we are sustained. So Jesus, let us uh, uh, come to understand today through this episode, through this conversation, that we can do nothing apart from you, and Lord, that nothing that we do is worth it if it's not oriented toward you. We pray for conviction of heart, Lord, and conviction toward mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit.
1: Spirit. Amen, 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 amen. So yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit today about what it means to be in the world and not of it. And Dan, before the episode started, we were talking about, is this like directly found in scripture, or is it just something yeah. that you hear every so turns often? And it uh, turns out it's not word for word, but uh, it's in there in a variety of contexts. Like the Lord um, tells us through John in his letter that like, we're not called to be of the world. And when you think about, just before we launch into a lot of that, when you two think about in versus of, being in the world versus being of the world, like what is that distinction besides just the word?
0: Mm. Being in the world versus of the world. Right. What is yeah. in
1: and and, ha- and this what guy, is of. He loves, his, he loves propositions <laughs> too, Etymology. Right
0: no i mean no no matter what we're all in the world until we die and so i think the but you do see all throughout scripture even jesus says like you cannot live of the world or you don't belong to the father it's like well mm-hmm. oh, that's a strong those are strong yeah, words yeah. and so um so we don't want to of course like we're trying i think what's what is the, the core of this like concept is how do we grapple with what Paul says or with what John says or with what Jesus says with this understanding that, yeah, but we're still in the world. And so we we're called to live in this world and we're called to sanctify the temporal order. We're called to sanctify the world or the side of heaven. And so, what does it look like to live in the world and mm-hmm. sanctify the world and to be a witness in the world and yet not allow the world to become who we are.
2: You mm-hmm. should title your next book Sanctifying the Temporal Order. Yes, that was
0: you know, like everyone who just like studied like, like the theology of the laity uh, in my master's program would be like, oh, I understand that. Everyone else would be like, what are you talking yeah.
1: about? Like a,
2: it sounds like a Star Wars
1: episode. <laughs> <laughs> your pin name could just be like Augustine of Hippo and it would sell tons, right? Yes, it yeah. kind of sounds like an old school title, but I like it. When, Aaron, I, hear, when I hear
2: in the world." world Not of the world. I think back to uh, our, you know, my years in, in youth ministry. This was. I, I feel like I gave a thousand talks on this on this topic. Mm-hmm. Prove it. And I <laughs> allow, allow me to send you my outline. He only <laughs> says
1: "prove it" when it's impossible to actually <laughs> prove it.
2: Uh, you know, I, I think I think that this this question it it really strikes at the core of the purpose of our of our show. You know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I really can't exist in relationship with Jesus if I don't understand how to exist in relationship in the place where I find myself, but also in a place that's entirely contradictory to the, mm-hmm. to the message of the, of our culture. Uh, and at the same way, it's, it's a, it's a word on mission that uh, the, the process of evangelization, it, it takes place in a culture that's antithetical to its, to its very approach. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got to, I've got to answer this, this, this question of, okay, how do, how do I live? And how do I, how do I exist on mission? Because both things are very difficult when, I, when I'm looking through the wrong lens.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something, there's something powerful about the fact that the Lord's left us in the world. Like, I, I love Jesus' prayer in John 17, and he, he prays for us who are in the world. He doesn't pray for the world, but for us who are in the world. And I've always just been so interested in like, okay, Jesus, you don't mix your words. Like, you speak pretty uh, precisely. And so the fact that he was praying for us in the world um, just shows me that in the sanctification of our own selves, right. And the the world that Jesus placed us here so that we would grow and that we could grow those around us. So yeah, really the question, I think at the heart of this is, um, how do I partake in the world, right? How do I do the things in the world as all humans do and not allow them to, control my life too much or become too much of my life. And so when you guys think about like the different things in the world, I I was just thinking about, um, on the drive in just even like watching Netflix or like movies and things like that. I love those things because I love being entertained, which is not a bad thing at all. But how do I, how do I engage those in such a way that I can still look different? Right. But also not look so different that I'm, irrelevant to be able to access other people Mm. so that we can be about a work of evangelization. So I don't know when you guys think about your walk in this, like, Mm. are there certain things in the world that you, um, partake in differently or ways that you've kept yourself from making something too much of your life? Just wondering, maybe there's some other areas besides entertainment.
0: I think the first thing that pops in my mind is just our charism here at Damascus. Like we, we actually, and this is like kind of the fruit of Aaron and I's at least younger life that grew into this, but like, it's, it's not like we have high adventure activities because like only for marketing sake, right? We do high adventure activities Mm -hmm. at Catholic Youth Summer Camp because the adventure of those activities was just enjoyable to us. And so like, like we enjoyed rock climbing, we enjoyed paintball, we enjoyed jet skiing, we enjoyed like the, Mm -hmm. the different things we've brought in. And I think it's this idea that you can actually do really enjoyable things like my, the, the, when I was young in my conversion, I, my favorite moments, I think of, um, Life with Christ and evangelization mixed together We're mm-hmm. just playing Ultimate Frisbee with the guys in college mm-hmm. while like at the, in the middle of the Oval at OSU. So like you're in this middle uh, the middle of Ohio State's campus with all of these people and yet mm-hmm. we're just playing Ultimate Frisbee and it was so amazing to watch people come up to us and literally like, have like a pseudo encounter with the Christian community by watching us play because the way we played was so joyful was so encouraging was so supportive that, and then we would just like welcome people in and then they would start playing with us. And I loved the questions we'd get. It would always be like, well, they, they want to say who they, they'd they say, what are you guys? Like, like, <laughs> w- what are you guys? Cause just cause they'd play with us and they would notice there's mm-hmm. something different. Right. And at Catholic youth summer camp, it's like the seminarian or the priest or, or like last, last mm-hmm. week we had a Carmelite mm-hmm. nun who like is the epitome of like, like not living in the world. Right. <laughs> She's like, like lives in a cloister. She's like out doing worldly activities with the kids mm-hmm. and it allows mm-hmm. them to see that. Well, I can actually bring these two realities together—that mm-hmm. I can enjoy life with Christ and the mm-hmm. Christian fellowship—and at the same time, like, have a lot of fun and mm-hmm. just enjoy life mm-hmm. in this world that the Lord has given us.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny that you bring that up, right? Because this this message is um particularly for the laity, right? Um, I think our, our, especially diocesan priest friends still have a little bit of this, where it's like, okay, how am I figuring this out? But specifically for us in the laity, there is something about going out, like, because you're gonna raise your family in the world, you're gonna have your yeah. house in the world, you're gonna do these different things. But I love what you were saying there, Dan, because I think, um, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, Aaron, like, there's a difference between feeling like, because I'm Christian, I need to do a bunch of different things than the world does, versus as a Christian, I'm going to be different in the things that I do, Good. right? Like, instead of just doing different things, I'm going to do things differently, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, Frisbee or entertainment. Like I'm, I'm yeah. even going to like engage people at the movie theater differently than other people do. Yeah. I wonder what you think about that.
2: You know, I, I look back to like our, 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 initial call in, in Genesis was to exercise dominion. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I once again looking back to, to youth group. One of my one of my favorite conversations that we would always had is y- you speak about the culture and you you demonize the culture as as if, as though it's this you know uh, demonic or alien force that like mm-hmm. exerts pressure upon you. But but in reality, the, the culture is an expression of it's it's an amalgam of of us, oh, right? Beautiful. Some people have stronger influence than others, of course. But uh, you know, we we define. We define our culture. If you look at the culture of Damascus, like Dan said, it's it's because of all the people that have come and have influenced. I mean, so much of what we do here, I, I think of like, man, Brad really drove this thing, um, really invested invested in this thing. So that that's that's I think been my mindset, my my mo when it comes to existing, being a dad, going into evangelization is is asking myself, okay, he, here are people who are engaging in cultural influence. How can I grab onto those things in order mm-hmm. to allow us to exist in a, in a way that glorifies Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jack's behind the camera today. And um, I, I, I love like my connection with so many guys through youth group or, or through camp was through ridiculous things like uh, video games and uh, you know sci-fi and Star Wars and anime, like all these all these things that are ridiculous and mm-hmm. super worldly in, in their in their definition. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's there's beauty hidden everywhere. Yeah, there's a common interest there. And if if you can if you can exercise proper detachment, which which means that I can exist in such a way that I'm holding onto this thing lightly, Mm -hmm. then you can begin to see the beauty in it, the presence of the Lord in it, without letting it own you. Yeah, and you know there's a lot of perspectives that I think different people have, where uh, you know smartphones are the devil, right? I will not allow them near my children. Or we could we could realize that technology is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, and, and maybe I could foster a lifestyle that exercises detachment mm-hmm. where I could, I could utilize the tools that the Lord's given to the world through human ingenuity to transform the world. Uh, I, I, you know, there's probably not a right or a wrong, but that's certainly my preference.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on detachment things like that, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I think that's,
0: it, 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 uh, it's interesting because when you, you just, what you were saying about the, the culture, Aaron, I think there's just so much, um. It is that we often in the church just demonize it as opposed to like look for the good in it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's look
2: for the good or even see my my capacity to influence. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Well and mm-hmm. in, in the it, it, I think it's so easy to to demonize because you don't need a solution in yeah. that. You mm-hmm. know, like if I just mm-hmm. say, Oh, this is bad and we but then we're not actually providing a solution on how to transform culture yep. and how mm-hmm. to to be the light because that's what's really hard and that's what takes a lot of discernment and um And it it could be because we've seen people get engaged in the world uh, who were living life on Christ and then the world kind of consumed them, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's also just a little bit of fear, but I do think there's... Um, you, you do see Jesus speak ill uh, of the world sometimes, and then at the same time, you see Jesus speak so good of the world sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says that the earth is our inheritance. And so if I don't love the earth, then mm-hmm. I don't love what the Lord has given me. And the Lord has given this to me. And so how do I love it and appreciate it so much that, yeah, it isn't... It's not like I... um. Man, we, we we use battle language so often too, you know, mm-hmm. and like and, and I love that kind of stuff. I mean, heck, I wrote a book called Holiness Revolution, right? <laughs> so like yeah. the battle language is 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 fun, but also like there's um not everything has to be this giant war. Perhaps mm-hmm. it could actually be that um I'm engaging in the world and sanctifying the world and transforming the culture mm-hmm. and it's pleasant and it's enjoyable and it's peaceful. And I think when we only use Battle language or negative language towards the world, we actually make ourselves defensive as opposed to offensive. And the Christian is meant to be the light in the world, and the light yeah. is turned on and it impacts everything. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's a very offensive approach, it's not a, a, a reactive running away approach. And so, uh, to be that light, I think, is more effective if we see the world as good and we're asking ourselves in careful discernment. Now, how am I called to engage?
1: Yeah, well, he prepares it. I love the scripture. He prepares a table for me in the sight of my enemies. And I've always just like talked to the Lord about that because so often when I'm in the presence of my enemies, the last thing I want to do is sit down. Um, and sometimes he'll like speak to me in that passage that he's preparing the table for me so my enemies and I can sit and have a conversation. Yeah. That I can actually like dialogue, that I could like go into that space with them and bring what I think the Lord wants for them into that that moment not not to necessarily partake in the battle which again there's obviously right order to that there's obviously times when Jesus speaks about bringing the sword and things like that like I'm not saying we should totally get away from that but there's also a concept like you're saying Dan that there's something about us being here and there's something we can do and we can be on the offensive, not the defensive. We don't have to fight away everything. We can actually win over things. And that's actually really important in the whole (laughs) dynamic, I think, too. But um, if uh, you're tuning in for the first time, we're excited to have you. If this isn't your first time, um, today's episode, I think, is going to be a little different. So we've been talking about what it means to be in the world and not of it. And um, I want to kind of like uh, move us to a place where I think what I want to do today is present kind of. Three truths that I see regarding mission in the world, and I want to just kind of state it and then hear your guys' response on it and then maybe just build a conversation from that. Because I think um, as we're kind of getting to those truths, one thing that I'm um, quick to make note of that I I was thinking earlier when I was praying about this is there's – I think um, in the world today, there's so many social dynamics, especially here in the United States – that are, um, that are stirring within, especially us Catholic Christians on like, what am I called to do with that? Right. So like, uh, how, how can I actually bring people to my position? Right. So if you are really missional, you're wanting to bring people into what you're thinking because you believe it to be the truth. But there's this way of interacting with that, that I think is a a wrestle in the world. And hopefully these truths can maybe get us to some kind of grounding in that. So the first truth that I want to speak about mission, I want to hear what you guys think is, um, mission in the mm-hmm. world. You ready for this is critically important. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I think to that's the first, your mind's blown, <laughs> you write that down. um, um I, it's already written down. So, um, <laughs> mission in the world is critically important. Like when you guys hear that phrase, obviously it's going to like go into a lot of people's ears is like, I've heard something like this before. This seems very basic, but when you hear mission in the world is critically important, what's your first response? <laughs> Yeah, what's
0: your uh, first response, Aaron?
2: I was just welcome to Beyond Damascus the show. Where we're conversation. Yeah, conversation. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got about a hundred episodes you can go back to. Uh, no, no, I mean, it 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 bears repeating because it's part of our it's it's part of who we are, right? This is a this is a core aspect of our identity. It's funny, I I find myself in almost every talk that I give or presentation that I give, mm-hmm. uh, referring back to this show, that a, a, a Christian cannot be, you know, a human being cannot exist in this world in a place where encounter and mission are separated. It's just not the way we were built. So we're we're built for, um, we're built for divinization and divinization is an, like, God is an active God. Uh, God does not exist merely to, um, I don't know, be in this little Trinitarian uh, dance, but to so that love flows out and transforms that i guess the the proper understanding of the trinitarian dance is a love that flows out and transforms right the, uh, jesus jesus doesn't exist apart from the mission of jesus the holy spirit doesn't exist apart from the mission of the holy spirit the yeah. father doesn't exist apart yeah. from the mission of the father that our 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 purpose is to fulfill mission mm-hmm.
1: yeah science isn't my strong suit but it's not like a closed circuit right like it's supposed to actually go out and transform that which is around it and bring it into itself right and so if we're not partaking in that we're missing something It's see yeah.
0: i mean yeah it's it's not only just the way we grow in, in in holiness and have an encounter it's the way we fulfill what Jesus intended for us right it's yeah. like it's which is so amazing like the lord loved us so much that he gave us the gift of the holy spirit and then he commissioned us to go into the world it, like literally like go, go to all <laughs> nations that and he said you'll receive the you know the the holy spirit and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth he didn't say you're going to be my witnesses at st mary's and st john the baptist mm-hmm. church right like that, there wasn't the witness is in in Jerusalem, in the city, in Samaria, in those cultures, in that in well, the world. Also,
2: notably hostile cities. Yeah, <laughs> at that point,
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And it's it, that you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to show the light of Christ. And mm-hmm. and it's just, I think that's where you discover the most joy. It's where you discover the most like. There's uh, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over like one lost sinner, right then and like that's like there's more rejoicing in in your own life over one who comes into relationship with the Lord, who wasn't in relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. than there is in all the parties and pilgrimages and uh, processions that you do at your parish, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. there's nothing more exciting than being in the mm-hmm. world and mm-hmm. seeing someone. but there's also like kind of what you were <laughs> saying Aaron there's also nothing more exciting about discovering people who are different than you so that you can enter into Christian dialogue to understand more, right? Mm-hmm. That like I, it, it becomes dangerous for me just to, to paint a, uh, a a wide sweeping brush on this is who the world is. No, the world is comprised of people. And yeah. mm-hmm. so when I find and discover a person um, I actually can find the image of God in every single person, even if they're, even if their mindset is totally different than my mindset, I actually can find the Imago Dei there and discover Christ there. And mm-hmm. um, if I if I'm not engaging in that and I just turn my back to it because they're different or they have a different mindset, I I miss the opportunity to discover the Imago Dei.
2: Mm-hmm. And and you're and you're going you're going here obviously, but I think to state it maybe even more precisely, Brad, you often say that like. When I, when I meet another person that's different from me, mm-hmm. I discover in them a part of Jesus that I didn't know before, like that I didn't see in myself. Right. So it's, it's not just that um, when I meet other people, I get, I get more of what I already have. Mm-hmm. It's actually that when I, when I meet others and what I engage actively in, in Christian relationship, that mm-hmm. I, I discover more of who I am and, and what I'm
1: missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and mission in the world is critically important, right? The reason that I think that's so important to state in the way that it is, even if it is fundamental is because we're talking about being in the world and not of it. Well, being in the world and not of it, the primary thing we were talking about is you need to be different, right? Like to be in the world and not of it really the litmus test is, are you different in the things you're doing in the world? Well, mission, the very purpose of mission is to present something different to the world, right? So mission is critically important because with like out mission in the world, like we actually aren't different because it's only in being on mission that I see the need for difference. So it's actually, it's for me and for the world. So mission in the world is critically important for me. So I can become more of the Brad I was made to be. And also for the world, because Brad has something to give to the world. Right. And that's to your point there, Dan. So I, I think that there's this, these two sides of the coin. And I wonder, like, when you think about um, mission here, most people think about our missionaries. And those are the people that I see change the most through mission. Yeah, like right. so many of them in their lives are like, I've been investing in my student centers and I've been praying every day. And I've been going to confession regularly. And I even have a daily commitment to the rosary. But in my life, I've never, I've never given myself away in, in such a way that I am totally devoted to what's going on in the other. Hmm. And the moment that happens literally over two years, I mean, it's the greatest gift I think of all of our jobs probably, but they're just different people. They're different people. When they leave, they are not the same person I met at Ave Maria university or Franciscan university of Steubenville or Benedictine college. Like they're a different person. So I wonder, um, the two sides of the coin first is for the person who's going on to mission. Just other thoughts on that, but yeah. I think there's something about mission that changes us.
0: Well, our missionaries have retreats every weekend, and so my my Monday question when I'm you know socializing often is, hey, how was your retreat this weekend? And mm-hmm. you never hear a person say, my small group was so easy, and I grew so much because of it. Right? It's mm-hmm. all. It's always, yeah, man. My small group was brutal, and I I was transformed mm-hmm. because of it. And like, it's that when we go into difficult scenarios, or when the Lord places us in difficult scenarios, that's where the stretching in us happens, right? Uh, Aristotle said, virtue is formed in the crucible. So you can't... Virtue is not formed in in comfort. And if I live in a comfortable uh, or a state of comfort, which... Christians who don't live in the world, um, because they're running away from the world, they 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 run the risk of that, right? Where mm-hmm. they they run the risk of just living in this uh, Christendom that is super simple and comfortable, and thus virtue isn't being formed. Mm-hmm. I, I may be doing the right things, right, but the virtue may not be formed. And but it's formed in the crucible, in the heat, in the struggle, in the battle, in the beating down, and mm-hmm. that. So whether it's like it it's it may feel like it's harder to be Christian when I work in the secular world, or it may be harder to be Christian when I go to a secular university, but it it, it may actually be easier to be Christian in those areas um, because the fine tuning is happening to you. And so I think there's so much value in that too us as, as that's why it's so good for us. Right. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's so good. I can grow in this. The, the the Lord wants me to engage in this because that, that fine tuning is going to happen. Okay? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I even love that. Uh, is it in Sirach that it says in the crucible, like the worthy man in the crucible of humiliation. I've always loved that, um, that scripture speaks right to the things that we fear the most. Because mm. so I think sometimes the reason we're hesitant to go out Onto mission to be different in the world is I'm gonna be humiliated there, yeah. right? Like I'm gonna be humiliated. But I I've been looking at kind of like my word stuff, right? Like I love words. Those who listen know I love words. Dan and Aaron know I love words. But humility, humiliation, human, all from the same root. Like from the ground, right? Like from the ground that, that the Lord formed us from the dust and breathed breath into our nostrils and we became a living being. And then yeah. uh, unto dust we shall return. But this this idea that we return to dust. In, in one of two ways, through humility or through humiliation. Humiliation forces us into the dirt, but if we can become humble after being forced there, the crucible can happen. Like those those deep-seated fears and insecurities, as the fire burns that, they raise to the top, and we can cut them off, Like so I can really develop virtue. So, yeah, there is something about mission that really puts me right in the face of that, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah.
0: For me too I think I have to be really discerning cuz <clears throat> like I know the areas where I can go and I'm going to uh, I'm going to grow in holiness and I I know the areas where I grow and there's a battle inside of me that I'm not supposed to be there so like um, it was very clear like in college, right I'm going to Ohio State I was signed up for Franciscan, I called my mom. I'm like, mom, the Lord actually wants me to be like eh, eh, like in the darkness, I'm not going to go to Franciscan. I'm gonna go to Ohio State and she was like we already paid the down payment for Franciscan. She's like, well tell the Lord if he changes his mind again <laughs> like you're paying the down payment but uh, uh, the it's I, I knew I was called to be in that kind of a battle arena right But at the same time like then you didn't go to Ohio State. Well, I mean, I lived at Ohio State. Yeah, I went to Ohio. I, it, it's radio. It's hard to tell the entire <laughs> yeah, story. You're I like, I want a
1: Catholic education, but I want to be in yes. the midst of darkness so, so while i So we pertain. lived at Ohio State. Aaron wanted, and I, I both lived at sure. Ohio
0: State. Went to school at Ohio Dominican because they had a theology degree. Um, okay, but uh, thank okay, you. Truth, truth prevails. Uh, but the, ultimately, <laughs> the— um, I just want to and, make sure I wasn't losing my mind. <laughs> um, the where, where I had— like, when we go on vacation, right? And we're on like some of these like boardwalks, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it, I have a really hard time. There's something happening inside of my spirit mm-hmm. that is just not like good, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, I've discerned that like I don't actually want to go into those arenas anymore because there's like when I'm there, there's like all this
1: yuck that gets pulled out. So explain that a little more. Like, what is that? Uh, well, this, this, like just when you say yucks, getting pulled. Like what is it's,
0: that? Um, I th- I think it's um, a lot of times when I go into darker environments. Yeah, my heart is moved with compassion, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm able to actually love more mm-hmm. for whatever reason. In some environments, my heart's not moved with compassion. Mm-hmm. It's it's moved with anger mm-hmm. and and frustration. And so I, one of two things has to happen, right? I either have to avoid that situation so that I'm no longer Uh, in 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 a place of sin, or I need uh uh I need to grow in holiness, right? Mm -hmm. So that when I'm in those situations, it's like the there's a story I forget, or both, or yeah, it it, it is. It's definitely both and right, but it's that I need to discern right now that's actually not the right spot Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm. and um, but if that the the Lord has arenas where other people could go there and be perfectly fine mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and so I think that's a big part of it of being able to discern personally what God has for you when you're in the world so if you're like in your workplace and nothing is going well for you like and you're just like you're not growing in holiness you're filled with anger like some like chances are the lord wants you to step back back from that for a while, really discern, is this where you're called to be? Or is there a different arena where you're actually going to thrive more effectively? And, Mm -hmm. and I think uh, to use that example, I think the reason, um, like, perhaps if i were going on an evangelization trip to the boardwalk that's Mm -hmm. i would thrive there right but i'm there for family vacation and so there's just like it's also different Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not called to like evangelize in the same way in that moment and so that's where it's hard because i'm like trying to defend my kids eyes from the inappropriate t-shirts stuff Mm -hmm. like that where that's where the battle
1: and it does go to discernment of the moment right like i need to discern that moment that i can't have a prescribed battle plan that I take into every single one. Cause even in the military terms, if you take the same battle plan into every battle, you're going to lose a lot of battles, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um,
0: It might work for some,
1: yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's for us, right? So on the other side of this coin, again, if we're talking about mission in the world being critically important, it's critically important for us because it changes us. It does something to us. Mm. It makes us more different. So the next time I go into the world, I'm able to bring that difference into what I'm doing. Now on the other side of that coin is that mission in the world is critically important for the world. And I think that this is something that obviously we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, but I do think that, in the world today, I think it's really easy for us to simply chalk it up to like the world's losing. I'm I'm going to hunker down and stay away from it. Not just in a discernment way, but I'm going to remove myself from it. And I think it's tempting for a variety of reasons, but uh, uh, yeah. above all what I'm seeing, I think because my heart's wired this way, I wonder what you guys think about it is that the world's going to be evangelized one way or another. It's just which good news is it going to believe? You know, like the world has really good evangelists. They have evangelists for, I don't know, popularity, prestige, power, um, prosperity. I I don't know all the, those words that like have their place, but there's people in the world that are evangelizing for these things and they're catching people up in this cycle of that's what I'm pursuing. And the church is supposed to have evangelists that kind of, I don't know if combat's the right word, but at least give another good news presentation so that people can choose. So if we all remove from the world, then the only good news being shared in the world is uh, what we know to not be the fullness <laughs> of the good news of the Lord. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I, I mean, I love, I, I love thinking of that in, in the, that framework of the, they're evangelists, if you will, sharing uh they're, they're also false prophets a lot of times. And sure. uh, the, I, I when I look to like movements that are spreading across the country that may not be of Christ, you know, like the LGBT movement. It's like like the, they're they're hardcore evangelists for this movement. Or we're seeing in the wake of Roe v. Wade, the pro pro choice uh, movement, right, mm-hmm. really coming in with a hardcore mentality and message. And it's like, man, if we if we, as Christians had as much passion mm-hmm. if we had a fragment of passion mm-hmm. that they had for mm-hmm. our message, perhaps we'd be more effective. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just these are people who are are literally giving their time, their energy, their reputation on the line for the message that they carry and And we as Christians often sit back mm-hmm. out of fear
2: to proclaim what we claim to be the best news in the entire world, mm-hmm. yeah. I just wonder when that, like, <laughs> my mind goes to history. Sure, this, this, it's it's not a it's not a model that can win, right? And it, it's not the model that was initiated mm-hmm. in the time of Jesus, that that the the Christian message began with, you know, twelve, maybe a handful more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 through a through a decisive process of evangelization, invitation, and witness, uh, d- transformed the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And. And transform the mindset. And and today, you know, we've we've rested on our laurels for far too long. You look to the mm-hmm. um the beautiful work of uh from Christian Apostolic Mission. Yes. That you know, there there has there has been a dramatic shift where we've been operating in maintenance mode, which was justifiable mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we you know, because we owned every, you know, we owned every edifice and we were mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. responsible for maintaining a culture. Mm-hmm. We've we've lost We've lost ownership, mm-hmm. you know, so we we've stepped out of dominion and now we're actually on the offensive again where we've got to be mm-hmm. in order to actually maintain the call that we've that we've got as Christian
1: well, and to maintain our inheritance, yeah, like it's critically important because if we leave the world to its own devices and we all isolate, we lost our inheritance, yeah, and that's like a bummer now again, there's obviously the inheritance in heaven, there's the inheritance of the Holy spirit in the life of Jesus Christ, like all that's great. But to your point, Dan, like, like that every knee would bow and tongue profess, you know? And I do think it's important to look at how the world's operating because those people are passionate that are fighting for different causes. You can look at all these causes that we would believe are away from what Jesus wants for people, but they're fighting for it. Why? Because they have a passion. And when passion exists long enough, you become possessed. Yep. Like, To be possessed by Christ, we talk about a lot, right? But I wanna be so passionate about what he's doing in me and what he's doing in my family and friends that I want that for the world. And I become possessed by like, not an ideology, but by a person, by an identity that it's been bestowed on me by Jesus, right? And so I think that the only way to combat a strong, passionate message is with another strong, passionate message. Yeah. Like I don't think these debates where each side asks gotcha questions. I don't think these incredibly intelligent people stating principles of fact is winning over the other side very well. But I think what it does is you're passionate about this, and maybe you'll fight me tooth and nail on it, and maybe yeah. I'll never. But but at least you're willing to step to the plate. Yeah. You know, like at least you're willing to step up. I don't well, know. And I,
0: what's the message? So that. like, if if you know if. <laughs> The because when I think of some of these movements uh, spreading across the country, um, it's just a lot of yelling, <laughs> and that isn't the mm-hmm. the message that we're called to bring. Mm-hmm. It's that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and Samaria and Judea, and as you said, hostile areas. And so you're going to be my witnesses. The Greek there is the same Greek word for martyrs, and so you you're gonna you're gonna be my martyrs in this. And what was the message that they? that the early church brought that was so convicting was, whoa, you just died for the faith that you professed. Mm-hmm. You like your message. And I wonder, you know, you never hear of a martyr for some of these like movements, these antichrist sure. Christ movements, right? They, like there's not, you don't hear people laying their life down for them. And uh, right. And and it's so scandalous, right? You even hear like the mm. sometimes like you have that BLM movement where the founders it would turned out they were stealing a bunch of the donations that were coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And they were reaping their own benefit. Um, but you see that even in the church today, where sometimes you get these yeah. evangelists out there that are acting like they've got this big. This big movement and this big message, and they're, mm-hmm. but then they're, they're, their coffers are huge, and they've got all these houses and private. Yeah. Ge- and it's just like, whoa, wait a second. Like, what mm-hmm. are, are you, are, do you look like the one you profess? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think as we live in the world, but not of it, one, one way to measure whether or not I'm doing it correctly mm-hmm. is do I look like Jesus? Right. And, um, because that makes me a
1: witness, right? Yeah. The martyrs, the reason they look the most like Jesus is they died for the same cause that he died for. Yeah. which is the salvation
0: of the world. Well, they looked exactly like him because they suffered and died like Correct. He suffered and died and it's so that's a scary li- like I'm just gonna be honest when I spoke those words. I it, it in and of itself is an mm-hmm. examination of conscience like no, I don't look like him like and I'm the one trying to be in this mm-hmm. world an evangelist for him and I'm only as effective in that purpose the more I look like him and yeah but his motto was so good because it wasn't retreat 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 it was yeah. i'm going to go eat and dine with sinners i'm going to i'm going to walk the streets and i'm going to have conversations and when i have conversations i'm not going to talk about the synagogue and uh, my parables aren't about like the scribes and the Pharisees my parables are going to be about fishing and mm-hmm. and um agriculture and like mm-hmm. and, and widows like he talked about Things that people could relate to because he was relatable, mm-hmm. and so he wonder, did it.
2: Wonder how the story would have been different if uh, if we had Jesus living in today's culture. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. we often think that because he because he wore the robe and because he wore sandals that he was mm-hmm. like this that the poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that was actually probably the the living scenario for. 99% of the human population mm-hmm. at the time.
1: Yeah. I think it is the principal question though, yeah. that if Jesus was alive, I mean, because that, that's how I'm supposed to live. Right. Like, like my life with the Lord is supposed to ask that question regularly, that Jesus, in the same way that you walked with Simon and Andrew, I'm now walking now. And had you been in my life now, how would you have operated? Yeah. I would like to try to operate like that for the sake of the world because we need to be witnesses. So that's the first truth. The first truth <laughs> is that mission in the world is critically important. Yeah, we I'm knocked that one out. On that Second, one. Okay. okay, yes, that was a tough one. Um, this one I love this one. So okay. I'm gonna say it again. I wanna hear your guys' thoughts just off of um, stating it. So how about mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth. Mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth. I present it to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brad. I'm gonna present it to Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've uh, we, we've probably gotten here already. Mm-hmm. Um, in in reflection, I suppose it can be maybe a little more m- more more distinct in its presentation. But I, I think that the truth that my that my mind goes to when you when you present that topic is the truth that's 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 buried in me. Right. There are there are some truths that are so important that Jesus has buried them in the human heart mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we will not be satisfied by any other way. And I think this is one of those things. You know, one of one of my uh favorite things to see on on mission here oftentimes is that I don't I don't know whether it's just us. I presume it's not. Mm-hmm. Um that, that when you work in the church and when you work for for the sake of mission that oftentimes we feel like in order to get good candidates, we really need to like scrape the bottom of the barrel Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. just convince people Mm -hmm. to give their lives away. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not the reality that we see. I mean, occasionally we've got to get some extra staff members or counselors in the door and we've got to go shake the bushes a little (laughs) bit. But, But what's, what's really beautiful and profound is, is when you see somebody who's, who's living by all rights, a very successful secular life, maybe even a you know successful uh, professional life, and it, you, you you know in the midst of success or in the midst of um, of accomplishing all those things that I that I've I've desired for my entire life, all of a sudden there's this moment where it's like this isn't what I was made for, mm-hmm. right? That that I'm I've actually got to step out of what the world would call success and what many in the church would call success. And step into a place where I can give my life away. Mm-hmm. Those are those are some of the most unique applications yes. to see mm-hmm. for our missionary program here at Damascus. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I'm I'm not here because I was a mediocre musician and I wasn't making it my own. So I need mm-hmm. you to carry me. I'm here because I'm one of the best there is to offer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I realize that I'm not going to be fulfilled outside of giving my life mm-hmm. away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Or, you know, uh, we've, we've got people who are, who are leaving, like, successful professional careers mm-hmm. to come into a place of, of saying, hey, what's it look like to give, to give my life? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm 90% of the way through college. On my way to a degree, I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. What does it look like to press pause and to come and to yeah. give my life to mission? Right. Because I know that I'm made for something more.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because you, as you share that, Aaron, I work with so many of our <clears throat> um, mission partners, those who give financially to mm-hmm. our, our our cause, missionaries here. in their own right. Yeah, and they they are, and it's like as, as when you started that comment about these people who live in the like are so successful and yet they they want to throw their life away or give their life away generously. I was thinking about all of those yeah. mission partners who mm-hmm. they've been so successful that they could truly inherit the earth right like they they could they could inherit the things of the earth and they could they could lavish upon themselves wealth and treasure and the the witnesses we've seen over the years of of these yeah. these men and women mm-hmm. who eat, like they prudently raise their families and they don't lavish upon themselves or their children surplus um they they don't indulge themselves in the comfort of the world but instead they are lavishing their treasure upon the kingdom mm-hmm. and it it's so humbling. Like our mission partners are, it's like they they have reached success in the world mm-hmm. and yet they don't want their names on buildings, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have to ask them, like, how can we honor you? How can we honor mm-hmm. you? How can we honor you? Because they only want to give and not yeah. receive. And it's so like I, I always I, I I tell people when we onboard someone new in, in our fundraising community. I'm uh I'm always like, Man, our 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 mission partners are my favorite people in the world because you can peg them the moment you meet them mm-hmm. because if i meet someone who loves the lord deeply and is humble in, in their relationship with the lord i know they're going to be a great partner for us mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not about them it's it's about this mission and mm-hmm but the to kind of go back to your original question Brad yeah. of it's about the truth as well you see mm-hmm. that in mm-hmm. in St Paul so clearly he plays out this dichotomy between mm-hmm. that there there's going to be false prophets and then if you will he's presenting himself as the one who lives in imitation of Christ the true prophet and mm-hmm. i would say i i mean Paul definitely lived in the world and he he was mm-hmm. a missionary in the world and the battle you see, if read read through the Acts and read through his epistles, the battle you see him struggling is there are these false doctrines that he is trying to help people mm-hmm. um, combat against and understand the truth, and that is probably more apparent today now mm-hmm. than ever uh, uh, because there are there are so many false doctrines, and these false doctrines are presented in such. Uh, captivating ways with fake truths Mm -hmm. to be pro-choice, right? Well, there's nothing more like the church is extremely pro-choice, right? right. Like, like we, like we are, like we mm-hmm. love free will, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we speak about free will all the time, and so, so these false doctrines are presented with mm-hmm. with half truths. That's uh, right. Like everyone is called to love, mm-hmm. yes. Everyone is welcomed, yes, right. And so these, how do I be a messenger of the truth in the midst of false doctrines that are? Presented as half truths.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, even think about like the way that we form missionaries here, right? Uh, and the way that the church has long formed people in their identity—that yeah. the most dangerous thing that can be presented to you is a half truth, right? Because because if I if I think of myself as inadequate, that's half true. That's <laughs> no. half true, but it's it's the most it's one of the most poisonous yeah. things that you can have someone bring in, right? those half truths are dangerous. So, um, mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth. I think you guys have hit both of those that it's about faithfulness. And it's also about truth. Like in what strata of society is it ever successful to just find the least common denominator and form a community around that? (laughs) It doesn't work. Like, it's not about saying like, let's just get to a, like a very basic thing. So everyone's accepted. And I think that that is something we see that once we realize that mission in the world is critically necessary, we begin partaking in mission. But because we want to be successful, because that says something about me, I lower the bar of mission so incredibly low that this amazing word like you were or amazing phrase like you were saying, Dan, like all are welcome becomes all are welcome and don't need anything else. Yeah. You don't need repentance. You don't need conversion. Just come literally as you are and never change. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not the gospel. <laughs> no. And but all of a sudden that, Throw that on a church but, side. But that makes it no right. <laughs> but then that becomes what all our welcome means, which which then we equate to success. Yeah. So again, I think that when we're talking mission, we need to be faithful to the Lord and to his call to love others. Yeah. But faithfulness and love without truth. Is not faithfulness or love.
0: Well, and to make this about kind of what I'm discovering is that I can't go into every conversation knowing that I have the, like, I am the master of truth, right? And I think this is—you mm-hmm. guys know me well—and I'm, uh, I, I'm a very strong-willed, high-opinionated person. And so, one of the <laughs> the good things about my life, uh, you laugh because, but one of the, oh,
2: damn. one of the good
0: things about my life is I'm pretty unwavering in faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one of the hard things is um, I sometimes fill in the answers before listening. And so, what I'm discovering is the more I present myself in the world as listening to people, it's actually, as you said, Aaron, it's making me, I'm seeing Christ in a way that I've never seen Christ before, that mm-hmm. there are people, even if their mindset is completely of the world and they're not mm-hmm. in the church, um, and, and, and if you will, they, they they their mindset is the quote, liberal mindset. As I start talking to them, I'm discovering mm-hmm. in their words, truths that I can apply mm-hmm. yeah. for greater truth to me. Yeah, And, well, and you and, can highlight it for them. That what you're saying
1: there is true. Yeah. It's, it's how we work out that truth that we might have a difference in right but
0: it's even uh, it's even like what if I don't even bring an agenda I actually come as the student hmm. and I'm hmm.
1: learning hmm. from
0: you even though you're totally different like and yeah. I don't know I I de- uh, but I, I bet Mary Magdalene was like revealed something to Jesus not that Jesus needed revelation but like the people he was associating mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. It, it was filling him with compassion mm-hmm. something was happening with yeah. him it, within him. When he was with these people. And Mm -hmm. if I come into every conversation, if I'm at a bar and I immediately, or I'm at work and I want to evangelize, like if I assume that my coworkers, because they don't go to church on Sunday, need the Mm -hmm. truth in their Mm -hmm. life, as opposed to realizing I've got something to give to them and they have something to give to me, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to be effective. I don't think.
1: And that's a great segue, actually, because what you're saying there, I think I have a wrestle in my own heart with. Like, how much do you bring an agenda and how much don't you? Because I do think there's an agenda that's right. But when I bring that, am I as effective as if I'm just listening without one? It's, it's a wrestle. And that brings us to our third truth about mission, which I want to present, which is that mission in the world is both bold and prudent. Mission in the mm. world is both bold and prudent. When you hear that, what do you think? <laughs> I love
2: this new style, Brad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's new, but I did want to bring it in today. Um I, I actually so I was I was tempted to react, Dan, to the statement you were just making, and I think that this really summarizes that reaction. That when when I when I come in with boldness, um, but also have a heart that's humble and ready to be formed, mm-hmm. then I can realize that mission isn't just for your transformation, it's also for mine. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good way to put so, it. So you know, uh I, I love Dan that that you're saying like I need to, re- that you, Dan, need to remind yourself of the fact that, like, my agenda may not be the most important thing in this conversation, but I need to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you say, like, the, the more frequently you say that, and the more frequently that you act upon that, there's these little sharp corners in you that are going to be chiseled off to exactly. the point where eventually, like, you're not just going to be saying this thing and then frequently and then less frequently contradicting it, but this will actually become a a lifestyle mm-hmm. where like yeah I'm Dan I'm the guy who enters into conversations lovingly and humbly and presents the truth in a way that's not offensive mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or or the, uh, a truth in a way that transforms so yeah. I think yeah it's it's in it's in realizing that hey my my work and mission is both to transform you and to transform me me
1: right yep i agree yeah,
0: prudence and boldness, and I—I uh, I mean, actually, when I when I heard you say that, Brad, I, I thought about uh, <clears throat> your wife Nina, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's mm-hmm. such an effective evangelist as as a nurse, mm-hmm. and so she's mm-hmm. in the world and she's working in the world, and yet she's such an effective evangelist, and she knows when mm-hmm. when to be bold and when to just build relationship. And I—I think like having those witnesses is really important. But I think back to. My friends uh, who who I have seen as great evangelists, and some of them were great evangelists because they were able to go to like go into the secular world and just like, like, invite, 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 and bring it, like, I had a friend, Andrew Zook, right, he, mm-hmm. like, just brought all these people all the time, mm-hmm. and it's like, what the heck, like, how are you doing that, and, like, but he was just really good at being bold and welcoming mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. in, because that's the charism that was on his life, the gift on his life, mm-hmm. and he was exercising it in the world, right, whereas other people are, mm-hmm. Just as as equally effective, right? And mm-hmm. yet they're mm-hmm. they're not as bold. They they it's they're they're able to build relationship and have deep intimate conversation, mm-hmm. but it's not as noticeable. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. knowing what your lane is, like what's the charism on my life, and yeah, like how how am I called to evangelize? What gifts has the Lord given me? Because to say that one person's model is the only model wouldn't be ideal right So what's mm-hmm. the charism of my life? Where do I need to grow right Because that's like that's an uh, the charism of my life is I'm great at being bold right mm. and, and the Lord uses that a lot mm-hmm. and yet I still need to grow in that. So what's the charism of my life? Where do I need to grow mm-hmm. and how does how does love become the the, um, the prize mm-hmm. at the end? So yeah. prudence mm-hmm. and boldness, mm-hmm. if directed by love, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. is the good news that's right
1: well and i want and i want to be more well-rounded that like i I think what happens so often in the church is that we give um like it's a fancy word but like temperamental attributions to certain virtues so like extroversion is cheap boldness introversion is cheap prudence they're not actually virtues you're just falling into a natural disposition of your Mm -hmm. personality type and calling it a virtue Uh and anytime you cheapen virtue You're doing a disservice to you and to others that yes, like I I do find like in myself a boldness, but I also know I'm extroverted. So there's times when I operate out of my extroversion and people affirm me for boldness and I'm like, well, no, I wasn't actually being bold. If I checked my heart, I was just being how I kind of am. Now, again, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. It is recognizing though, that there's always more there. And then also on the side of prudence, like I've I've just seen it because I've even done this myself where I I tell a friend of mine who's more naturally introverted, like you got to get bold. And they're like, well, that's not who I am and you got to get prudent anyway. And it's like, wait, but now we're talking virtues where I think what we're talking about more is personality types and making ourselves uncomfortable. So Brad needs to not speak as quickly. That's a little uncomfortable for him. You need to speak more. That's uncomfortable for you. Well, let's just join the discomfort party and let's like grow together, you know? So I think the reason I I like thinking about boldness and prudence, not as a false dichotomy, but as two virtues that need to live in tension within us is because you can naturally learn from someone else. And because it challenges us not to just attribute cheaply a virtue where it's just a personality type. Right. I think
0: I think a good way, too, when I think through boldness and prudence, is this a short game or a long game? So, like, if, it, if it's just third and ten, I'm passing the ball, right? Yeah, like, because yeah. I, 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 there's there's an urgency there that, that I have to move the that's ball wise, down the road. That's wise, yeah. and, But, uh, you know, if it's first and ten... I got a lot I, of I'm, options. Yeah, I got a ton. And so, like, if I'm trying to minister to my coworkers, well, all of a sudden I can be much more prudent because I've got time I'm and, and my evangelization is going to be the long game mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to if I'm on the airplane and I'm sitting next to someone mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. well, I've got one hour and this is going to be fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like the it, it's it being able to discern like what's the moment, what's the position and what's the play I'm supposed to do in this moment will help with navigating how do I evangelize That's right really now?
1: Good. That's really good. Well, why don't I... Um... Why don't we share this quickly? So just as a synopsis of what we've talked about, right? The idea that we as Christians are called to be in the world and not of it. What does that mean? It means we need to be different in the world. How do we get different? By being on mission, right? And what, what are three truths about mission that can get us moving in the right direction? Mission in the world is critically important, right? Critically important for us and for the world. Mission in the world is about faithfulness to the truth, mm-hmm. that we need to be both faithful And truthful and faithful to He who is truth, Jesus. And then, lastly, right that mission in the world is both bold and prudent. Those aren't; it's not a dichotomy. Virtues can't compete against each other. They need to live in tension within us so we can grow more vertically. Any final thoughts on that?
0: Uh, Can I throw out a question to you guys? Please. You kind of got me excited at the beginning of the show, Brad. That I don't know if I've personally gotten greater clarity around. You talked about how do we how do we discern. What do we do? Like, what are the the things in the world that we can bring into our life? This Netflix yeah, question, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm uh, like, how do we discern how much hmm. of Netflix I can have in my life? How what what next neck next eh, Netflix shows I'm gonna watch? How do I discern if I'm going on a boat trip for the Fourth of mm-hmm. July or if I'm doing a barbecue yeah. in my backyard? Yeah. Like, what are the things in the world that I'm gonna quote indulge in to enjoy? how do I discern that based off of kind of our conversation today? Yeah.
1: Thanks for bringing that back. I think I'll defer to Aaron. Cause I think he said something that has a wisdom on this. When Aaron was speaking earlier, he was mentioning just the idea that like, as long as I'm holding onto it loosely, right. That, that I, I don't even know if you can put an objective metric on those things mm. because there are just going to be people like myself who watch more sports than someone else. But what I have to see is like, if I was to rid myself of that, yeah. right. Would that affect I don't know my identity or my stability or something. So, I, I don't. I, I, I liked what you were saying there, Aaron, because I've, I've wrestled for a long time on trying to get an objective principle to it, like <laughs> x number of hours or whatever. Like honestly, because I think my mind just works that way. But yeah. I thought you were mentioning something in that, like holding on loosely that mattered. You know, in this area, uh,
2: it's kind of a it's kind of a cheap solution. But my 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 answer to most questions is like if you exist in relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're if you talking to him, that mm-hmm. these questions become simpler.
1: Yeah. Give a little bit more to that. So if someone's listening, they're like, okay, listening to Jesus uh, and in relationship with him, I think I am, like, what what would you say, like like a, a prompting? Is that like a feeling in the heart, like yeah, for someone good. that's listening?
2: Uh, I, th- I think there are, so there are stages that a person has to go through to get to this place. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not speaking from having arrived, right? <laughs> yeah. We've not reached the, uh, the pinnacle.
1: Uh, he's here. I, I was, I was having a, I was having a great, a
2: great conversation with, with my wife the other day, we were coming back from a wedding and we were talking about, you know, the, the age old, uh, fight with, with chastity, um, with sexual purity and that, you know, there, the, at the, at the start of, at the start of my battle, um, I've got to adopt a reality of realizing that that like I need I need discipline and strategy in order to mm-hmm. in order to find in order to find a strong footing mm-hmm. that I can actually see success here yeah so maybe maybe that maybe we're not talking about sexual purity maybe we're talking about media consumption sure so yeah there there may start a point at which I need to realize okay i am I am addicted to Netflix and I need to limit myself to thirty minutes a week mm-hmm. like period end of story. And and that's a decision that's made based on like m- my orientation of heart. Mm-hmm. Uh you know f- fast forward two, 3 years, you may come to a point where like I am um in a in a frequent relationship of of Jesus, my life is marked by virtue. I'm in a place where I'm no longer, you know, I don't I don't have to fight the temptation mm-hmm. to not Binge on alcohol when I walk through a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Many people do. Many right. people I know do. Right. Right. Um, but but to realize, okay, like I I can have a conversation with the Lord mm-hmm. today, and mm-hmm. and say, you know, Jesus is is this morning a good day to fast from breakfast, mm-hmm. or would mm-hmm. this morning be a good day to have a bagel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a place of mm-hmm. of black and white decision yeah. having
1: been made. So. Well, and respond to that prompting, right? Because the, the goal of that relationship with Jesus is that I want to show him I'm trying to be faithful to him. I think sometimes we get caught up yeah. in, did he say yes or no? I'm not really sure. Well, whatever, if you're giving it over to him yeah. and you go off what you feel like he's saying, he, like Jesus is so good that he's going to be like, I, I'm watching what you're doing. Yeah. Like, even though you didn't fast from breakfast today and I thought it would be better, it's okay. It's It's a partaking in. So I'm, I'm, try- right? I'm
2: trying to wrap this up into into a, yeah. a, a way of teaching that can be digestible. Sure, and, sure. And um, I I, th- I think that there any uh, any one size fits all solution is going to be too cheap. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So so the minute that I think that I can achieve Christian life mm-hmm. by by maintaining a strict a strict adherence to my Netflix schedule mm-hmm. or to a, to a fasting schedule or to mm-hmm. a prayer routine. Like that's the moment at which I'm now in control again. Correct.
1: It's a start to your point. It's a start. But then Jesus And, and the Lord
2: may call me into that place. Yes. And he does for me, he does frequently. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he helps us develop that discipline and strategy,
2: right? But but I I think the the, the goal is that I exist in a place of relationship mm-hmm. where the fruit of my prayer is not just a feeling of intimacy, but it's a lived lifestyle.
1: I think that's really good. Yeah. What, what, off what Aaron's saying, Dan, I think to kind of maybe um summarize my thoughts on it. I, I think everything Aaron was saying, I, I'm in agreement with, I think it's this, it's this place of understanding that with my relationship with Jesus, like Jesus, he's going to, he's going to help me sell, set guardrails. Like he's going to help me create a strategy and develop discipline. And then at the point where I get comfortable with that, he's going to stretch me more because he's always wanting to yeah. grow me. Yeah. Yeah. And then at those different stages. So maybe at first Jesus is just like, Hey, for now, let's just cut out social media. And, and, yep. and whether he said that or not, I'm in relationship and I think it would be good. Okay. Now he's with me in that. And then the moment that he's like, well, Hey, actually I don't want you to live in slavery where you think you have to have none of that forever. I just want you to know how to use it yeah. prudently, yeah. wisely, wisely, and then six Temporal. months later, guess what? Yes, it changes. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, and and because
1: the Lord calls us
0: to a variety of missions, mm-hmm. he may say to some, I want you to go all into social media sure, and, and sure. become like yes. a giant social media vandalist. He could mandorist. say that. Yes. Again,
1: and, that, and I think that's a place where accountability is yeah. important, which is a, a good thing on mission in general, right? Like, I want to be accountable. Like, that's why... I, we're in friendship us three. right because if i'm not on mission sorry it's a bit of a cop out i
2: suppose
0: well i think too to kind of uh if 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 you cap your day with an examination of conscience so sometimes Mm. it's hard to like be all day in discernment but like also at the end of the day a good examination of your day of like we're Where did I Mm -hmm. pursue mission? Where did I pursue Christ? And Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, okay, shoot. I I maybe was lazy during this moment or maybe Mm -hmm. I missed this opportunity. Now, if I'm doing that every night, it's gonna train my mind to be Mm -hmm. more poised for action at the right moment. And be
1: honest and be honest. I think that's the one thing I wanna say on that because I have had seasons of my life where I do the examine and I'm not honest because I'm wanting to prove to myself an image of me that I didn't need to. Like when you that do an really exam, no, it does, a waste it, does, of time. it does. It does. It does. That's it does. It is. It is. But how often, like how often do we do that? Like I, yeah. I'm, I at least, I may, maybe I'm, I'm alone in this, but I, I, that I, so. I doubt that's true. <laughs> um, but, uh, there's so often in my life where it's more about me proving to myself that I'm okay and good yeah. than me being really honest for the sake of growth.
0: Or proving to God that you're okay and good, which he's like, which is I prob- already well, made you well, good. Well, I
1: think to my point, too, it's kind of both, yeah. right? Because the reason I'm trying to prove it to me is so I can prove it to yeah. like the one who created me, um, especially in the Christian context. But I would say that just just a, a word of wisdom on that is when you do the exam and just be honest. Like It's not a scorecard. It's not a <laughs> scoreboard. It's not a grade— Report, right? Yeah. Like a report card or whatever. Like it's it's you saying, okay, today was this. Tomorrow can be different. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Well, and so-
2: and, a, and a nightly examine is is excellent. Um and I would I would call us to like your conscience is a perpetual examine mm-hmm. of realizing that hey, like that that same honesty and conversation that I can have at mm-hmm. the end of every night, I can have in every moment. Yeah, that's a really good word. Yes. That as as I as I begin to open my mouth, mm-hmm. there's something that mm-hmm. happens in here. Yeah that says like hey this is a bad decision that you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I can either I can either at that moment shift mm-hmm. yes. or yes. continue to pursue it. Yeah, and I would say those. that
1: that's actually probably the greatest fruit that the examine prayers had in my life yeah. is that I learned what my conscience sounded like through the examine Good. because I was it, again this idea that Jesus can provide strategy and then bring us out of it. Like I was like, "Oh, that that's what it feels like to think. That wasn't a great choice." Oh, wait, now when I make the choice, <laughs> n- now almost before I make the choice in the yeah. Lord, he, he works uh, awesome. virtue into us. So, yeah, so I think, um, again, today, uh, conversation in the world, not of the world. In order to do that, we need to be different. In order to be different, we need to be on mission. Mission has some truths to it. It's critically important, so go do it. Um, but when you're doing it, make sure that you're faithful to the truth. And while you're faithful to the truth, make sure that you're walking this line between boldness and prudence and not just giving yourself an excuse to be the way you've always been, because we all want to grow at all times. So, Dan, you want to go ahead and close us in prayer? Let's
0: pray in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, thank you for giving us the earth. Thank you for giving us this world. Thank you for calling us to have dominion here. Lord, I pray for us who are listening to this show and for The Christian body of Christ right now, that you would raise us up to exercise dominion again, that we would reclaim culture in our own lives and reclaim culture in this world, Lord, that we would um, exercise um, a spirit of the Lion of Judah and also carry uh, the peacefulness of the Lamb, that you would allow us to transform lives through transforming the world. Lord, I Pray that whatever really convicted hearts today, that you would allow Mm -hmm. that to remain with them in their prayer time with you, and that you would shift lifestyles from today's conversations. All those who are on mission in the world, sanctify them, bless them, and make them authentic witnesses of you, Christ the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Father, Father, Son, and Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us here at Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter meets mission. If this has been a blessing to you today, we ask you to like this video, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our podcast, anywhere podcasts are found. And if you know someone in your life that could benefit from teachings like this, send this to them, go find a couple other podcasts, send those to them. We'd love to bring this message to as many people as possible. God bless you. And we'll see you next week.